Well, good morning. I feel like we've already ran through this worship service, and now we're coming to another time of worship. And the question that comes to my mind right now, uh, before we dive into Psalm 95, because this summer we're walking through a bunch of the Psalms with the series Inhale, Exhale. What we breathe in impacts our heart, what we breathe out impacts others. The question that comes to mind, though, is do we really understand the significance, the weight of what we're doing right now? Our culture has trained us in certain ways. One of the ways in which our culture has trained us is we're really good, right, at going and watching we go to a movie and we, they have to make the chair really comfortable for us um, and it has to be able to rock a little bit and um, they pipe in the smell of popcorn. Um, I think we should do that here. And then just for torture's sake, not sell it. Um, right? and, and, and we go and we sit and we watch it and then we get up and we leave and we do that in all kinds of ways. We do that with athletic events or with music stuff. It doesn't matter what that is. Uh, a lot of times we do that with work, with seminars, uh, with conferences, and that's what we do. We go and we sit and we watch, and um, sometimes I think we've adopted that same mentality when it comes to worship of the Most High God, and so do we recognize the weight, the significance of what we're doing here right now, the power of it? It's an important question because is it possible to come here on Sunday morning and to go through the motions because the majority of you, um, this is home for you. This is your, your church home. We get to be, we're brothers and sisters together. And so is it possible for us to sometimes wake up and, and go, well, hey, it's time to go worship. I enjoy going to worship. So we just kind of come, we walk in and we come and we worship and hopefully something's going to grab our heart a little bit. And um, if so, we, we like that. And then we walk out and we just live our life again. Is that possible? And so the question again is, do we recognize the weight, the significance of what we're doing together here right now. Because as I said earlier in the service, what we're doing right now, it does, it goes back thousands of years. With the people of God coming together to worship. And it wasn't typically, hey, we're going to all come together and we're going to sit perfectly still and then we're going to walk out and live our daily life. Like we know that's not the case. But it tells us in um, Exodus chapter 19 that Moses took the people of God and he took them out to meet God and it tells us in Exodus 19 verse 19 uh, that God came down and spoke to them in thunder like it was not even then a whisper we speak about how God speaks in a whisper and often he can and he does but he also speaks in enormous ways as well You go even further, you go into the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that we are to be grateful that we get to receive a kingdom, it says, that cannot be shaken. It's a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and it says, thus, therefore, let us offer to God, knowing that we have this unshakable kingdom, 
Let us offer to God acceptable worship is what it says. For a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us offer to God acceptable worship. And so I can't imagine that if we get to worship a a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that our worship of God should look anything similar to what we do according to the world. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with, it says, with reverence, with awe. For it says, our God is what? A consuming fire. So if that's who God is, if that's who, what the kingdom of God is, is it, is it possible that we don't recognize the significance of why we're here? Is it possible that sometimes we have surrendered some of the depth, some of the power of why we're really coming to worship? We're here to listen to God speak, to praise God, and to worship God. I almost had Pastor Nathan stay out here a while ago. We, we're planning worship services every week. It's, it's a bit tricky. Um, part of the reason it's a bit tricky is because we work so hard to to not be gimmicky is what we say. I use that word a lot. Like we, it's very simple. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get prayer about five or six times throughout the worship service. You're going to get several songs of just worship and praise of God. Some of those are going to be just this exhortation, and some of those are going to be more reflective. And you're going to get the preaching of the Word of God. We're going to have an opportunity to give back to God, and hopefully you're going to be both encouraged and sharpened in your faith. That's, that's kind of the format. And then it's going to happen differently every week, but that's, those are the guardrails. And it's, it's tricky because as we're coming, we're going, we know that people want to come and they want to be, we all want to be entertained a bit, right? And then you get to determine if you like the entertainment. But here's the good news is I'm not a monkey. There's only one thing needed to bring us back to worship corporately every week. Only one, need, one, one thing needed, and that's you understanding the glory of God. And that's so overwhelming, that's so captivating that we run back to it. That we we don't believe, we can't believe that we get to come together with brothers and sisters like this and to worship him. And that's all that we need. And the thing with worship, it's Psalm 95, the thing with worship is I believe that worship, out of acceptance of Jesus Christ, out, once you accept who Christ is, you acknowledge who Christ is. One of your greatest needs in life is worship. One of the greatest needs that you have in life is worship. And so it, it brings us to Psalm 95. And I invite you, please, turn there, read along with me. You know how I typically do this. I just kind of walk through the verses, and we're going to run through these 11 verses, and and we're going to understand, hopefully, more of who God is. Because it begins in Psalm 95. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. 
Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Oh, come, it says. God longs for us to come into his presence. He wants us to come without hesitation, but he wants us to come into his presence, to be ushered into that presence. He wants us, and it begins really in these first several verses, it's this call to worship. He's calling us to worship. When you acknowledge who God is and what he's done, worship is an automatic response. What I found that worship also, because of who God is, not because of who I am, but because of who God is, is the greatest thing I can do in each aspect of my life. In the midst of loss and hardship, what I do walking out of hardship and loss is I worship God. When I walk out of difficulty, I worship God. And sometimes it's a choice that I have to make because I can so easily get captivated with self. And so I choose to worship God. I choose to acknowledge who God is. And he calls us out and he says, come and worship. And what you're going to learn is he's telling us, come and worship. Give ultimate value to God. But that's a, that's a good way to understand worship of God. Worship is, and this isn't in your notes, it's not going to be on the screen, um, I, but I would love for you to scribble some of this stuff down, to write some of these things down. Worship is, is an act of giving ultimate value to something which, is in, which engages your entire life. Worship is an act of giving ultimate value, the ultimate value to something which engages your entire being. Worship is a life pattern. And that's a really healthy way to think about it. It's not something that we only do on Sunday morning that we come for or on Monday night, right, when we worship together. But worship is a life pattern. It's a choice that you're constantly making to worship God regardless of circumstance. Understanding that God is greater than any earthly circumstance. And it's a direct response. Worship is a direct response to your understanding of your need for Jesus and what he's done for you. The majority of people who struggle with God and with Christ are the ones who don't think there's any need for God or for Christ. And so if you don't believe, if you think that you're just the bomb and you don't need anyone or anything else and your life is going to be great because you get to call all the shots, then you don't really have a need for God. You don't have a need for Jesus, right? That, that, that's why that it, you can look throughout history as societies do well for themselves, they turn from God. And then as they struggle, they turn back to God because they recognize there's something deeper. There's something that they need. You can see that throughout history, throughout cultures, throughout societies for thousands of years. And so we know that a direct response, worship is that direct response to our understanding of our need for Jesus and what he's done for us. You know what? Worship, it gives God's people, it gives us purpose it gives us direction. It gives us, it gives us more than that. It gives us clarity for life. You see, for me, worship, and I see it by understanding who God is, it recalibrates me when I'm all centered, when, when the, the front wheel is wobbling and it's not aligned. 
But if we don't have a proper understanding of who God is and what he's done, it's hard to allow that to happen. It's hard for that to take place. When I worship, you're going to see that it also, it gives you, it gives you priority. It helps me prioritize the things in my life and what matters most. And so we're going to walk through these first several verses, and as we do, it calls out to us to come to worship him, and it's going to tell us different aspects, different characteristics of what that worship should look like. First, we know that worship is shared. Worship is is meant to be shared. It's collective. Yes, I know that we worship in everything that we do and everything that we say, every part of our life, but we also know that it's corporate as well. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be, another word would be collective, right? It says three different times in verse 1 and 2, come, let us. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Here's a fourth. Let us make a joyful noise to him. Over and over it tells us this. Let us. And I understand that private element of worship, but also it is collective People who don't understand the value of coming together with God's people and worshiping him don't understand the significance of what God has done. He has called societies and cultures, the entire world, nations will fall. Nations will then surrender to him collectively shared because he is worthy of that praise and that worship. It's one of the things that we learn right right away. But also we learn that worship is a joyful outpouring It's a joyful outpouring. God is longing for us to sing out to him. Those same words that I've already read, make a joyful noise, come into his presence, make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. The Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Right? How often in the people tell me and they tell others, right? And they've even said it about this church, well, the church... Uh, that church I hear is uh, kind of passionate. I've literally heard that about CP before. You guys are a bit passionate. And I go, oh my goodness. And I think we're so tame. Mild-mannered. We're Clark Kent. For you younger people, that's Superman. If you have a proper understanding and view of God, you truly don't care what others around you are thinking as you worship him. And I firmly believe that what God has done and who I see him to be is far greater than anything else in my life. And so for my response to look similar and worship to God as it does for anything else is simply wrong. And one thing you won't hear say is we don't think that that means if you don't clap, it's not worship. Or if you don't sing or shout out that it's not worship. Sometimes our worship is reverence. And it's, it, it's for, full of awe and just You're on your knees calling out to God. We're not saying that, but we need all of it. 
And I certainly believe that the church today, we err on the side of, well, I just do it quietly. <laughs> have you ever, how many of you have ever yelled at the TV before with a sporting event? I will call you out right now. I have been in some of your living rooms. You're not raising your hand. Right? Georgia Bulldogs, that's where I, that's my alum. They play University of Alabama National Championship this last year. It's in a sport called football. Um, see, I, I was about to make a Michigan joke. I'm not going to. I'm going to keep going. And I, I say that I don't care if Georgia wins or loses, but I'm over at a friend's house and I literally jumped out of my seat and I yelled, come on! But of course I don't care. And the guy, my friend, called me out. He says, I thought you said you didn't care. And I think about that and I go, what's our worship look like? Do we care? Do we care when we even get to, when we, when we miss corporate worship, we don't have the opportunity to have corporate worship, do we care? And it's all dependent upon who you believe God to be, your understanding of what he's done for you. Because you're so dumbfounded by it. You can't wait to come and worship. My greatest concern for the church today is that we don't have a proper view of God. Because if we have a proper view of God, right, we will be undignified according to the world and how we act and how we respond and how we live our life. They'll go, you guys are nuts. You guys are, you're not making any sense. And so it's a joyful outpouring in our life. And it is. The third thing is it's to be expressive. Worship is expressive. We're to be exuberant in our worship. It tells us to shout aloud. I would consider that to be expressive. Right earlier, somebody, uh, Pastor Luke was introducing Carolyn Orcas, who's our children's director, does an amazing job. As soon as her name was mentioned, somebody went, Woo! Right? And we thought that was a little, some of us thought that was a little bit, oh, wow, they, they, gave a, they, they gave a call out. Why are we surprised by that? When our call outs to God and to Christ should be normal. And we recognize the, the, the greatness of who He is and what He's done. And again, I'm saying, I'm telling you now, I want to make sure it's on camera so nobody can get onto it. But right? I'm telling sometimes our worship needs to be reflective. It needs to be solemn. It needs to have that element of reverence. But I also think part of reverence is acknowledging and calling out the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And so it's expressive. In Hebrew, when it says to shout aloud, it, in Hebrew, Hebrew, it means to raise a shout. To 
It's the same language that she's, before the Israelites would go to battle and they'd start making all this noise and racket. They're calling out and they're shouting out. It's the same thing. So I, I, I think some of it's cultural. The reason our worship isn't sometimes vibrant and expressive, right? But primarily, I, I don't even think it's cultural. Primarily, I think it's because we don't understand who God really is. Oswald Chambers says that a joyful spirit is the nature of God in my blood. A joyful spirit is the nature of God in my blood. Also, another thing that we learn about this passage is that not only is worship collective or shared, it's joyful, outpouring, it's expressive, but worship is God-centered. It's God-centered. Here's a great question. Why should we worship Great question for us, right? Why then? Why, if you're talking about why should we worship? Because he is great. Verse 3 tells us, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his. Why? Because he made it. He is a great king above all gods. In a way, it's this inventory of a list. It's an inventory of the greatness of God that you see. The inventory isn't he made straight A's. He kind of created the whole calculus thing. The inventory isn't that, you know what? He made a good bit of money. The inventory isn't he has really nice cars. The inventory isn't he threw lots of touchdown passes. The inventory isn't he's an amazing musician. The inventory is this. He made the oceans. The inventory is calling out that the depths of the earth, the mountains, they're all his. And so how can our worship of that God look the same as our our excitement toward things of this world that are temporary? Worship is to be God-centered. It's to be God-centered. And when you're reminded of these things, it's not just that you come and you get emotional about it. That's not what we're talking about. I truly desire for people to acknowledge, to to be aware of who God is for themselves. And then Holy Spirit will work in your life and show you how you need to respond to Him in that moment. In worship and in praise of who He is. Why? Because our focus isn't just how worship makes us feel. Our worship must be centered on God alone. And so we have this call to worship, right? We have this call to worship, but we also have a call to be overwhelmed. That's what we're going to find here. We have this call to be overwhelmed. When was the last time you were overwhelmed with something? 
I'll tell you one of the last times I was overwhelmed with something was, um, y'all know, a year ago, I wasn't going to tell this story, but it's just astonishing to me. Um, a year ago, May 2nd, my father passed away. Um, this last May 2nd, I got a letter in the mail. And the letter in the mail was from both not only my mom, but also my father, who passed away a year ago. Now, I've already told you before, my father knew that he was passing. And in that letter was, we knew that you, now notice that pronoun, we knew that you were going to need help with a new kitchen, and there was a check in there. A year later, I was, I was overwhelmed. Right? We, we had the kitchen that literally in the middle of the night, the shelves fell and the dishes, and I just looked over at my wife. I was like, you get new dishes. Are you going to go check on that? Nope. Went back to bed. A year later, I, I was overwhelmed by it. And you think about that. I, I was just, I was like, Wow. The things that he did, knowing that he was going to die soon, really blow me away. I'm overwhelmed by them. And I go, they're nothing compared to what God did for us. Nothing. It gives us, it says in verse 6 and 7, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he, this is his invitation to be overwhelmed by him. Verse 7, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, please don't harden your hearts. Please don't harden your hearts. Don't do it. When you read these things, you, go, you recognize that worship involves both, I think, I would say animated rejoicing, but also um, speech, speechless reverence. It's both. There's components of both. So we're called to be overwhelmed by him, by what he's done. And then lastly, there's this call to respond. There is a call to respond to him. Right? In verse 8, there's this mood change, by the way. And that's when it gets in. Don't let your hearts be hardened. Right? There's this, there's this shift of declaring who God is, acknowledging who God is, and what our worship and what our praise should look like. And I, that's, why, that's why in the new building, I so badly, I'm not getting it, right? That's why I so badly wanted the retractable roof so everybody could hear us worshiping. Don't kill my dreams. But that's why I'm excited for this new place that's going to have a natural, somewhat amphitheater. And we just, I want us all out. I want 1,500 of us out there worshiping God together. Where people, even if they got their windows up and they're blasting their radio to whatever they listen to nowadays that they have to stop and go, what's going on? There's this call to respond. There's this mood change that happens here. We come to this solemn warning almost, and you can't take it lightly. And you'll notice this shift in speaking too, right? The first seven verses you had the psalmist speaking, and now it's like God stepping in, and it says, don't harden your hearts. 
You've put me to the test. You know that for 40 years I loathed that generation for putting me to the test, right? There are people who go astray in their heart. They, don't, they, they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my oath they shall not enter my rest. One of the things that this is pointing out is God is acknowledging that the people, you know what happened to them? They got distracted. Everybody who works with me knows I'm a, I chase squirrels. Now the good news is that's not physically that I'm speaking about. That would be awkward. But I get distracted. They're like, so um, there's a lot of different things happening, Pastor. What do you think about such and such? And I'm just like so off topic. And I come back to it. But I chase squirrels. Anybody married to a squirrel chaser? That's what we call them. Are you married to a squirrel chaser? Awesome. Good job, Peter. Um, I'm a squirrel chaser. I'm just like all over the place, and I know everything you're saying. Are you even listening to me? And then I get in trouble because then I repeat word for word what they just spoke to me, even though that's not relevant to what I'm thinking about right now. And I just start chasing the squirrels, and it's because we get distracted. Is that, watch this. Everybody listening to what I say right now? You hear me? Now, everybody, get, just, we're going to be real quiet. Already you're distracted. You're thinking about what you had this afternoon. Tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month. You're thinking about vacation, right? We get so distracted. And God, in one way, is saying, these guys got distracted. Don't get distracted. Part of worship is, is sitting in who God is and in listening to him and responding to him. And if your worship isn't proper, you're doing it in vain. Don't worship in vain. He's saying, don't, in five minutes, you're just already thinking about something else. Yet, if you think about the enormity of God, how can you do that? Why? Because there's a, when you worship God, there's a joy in the Lord that supersedes circumstance. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to worship some more. I'm going to invite the team to come back out. And as they come back out, we just have an opportunity to worship some more. This isn't complicated. This isn't one of these things that's complicated. And, and you have to have 27 different ways to know that you can worship this way or that way. Worship is about understanding and acknowledging who God is, what he's done. That's it. To sit with him. To know that it, we should be overwhelmed. We, we have this call to respond to him. So we're going to invite you guys, if, if you want, to raise hands, to kneel, to shout, to sing to the Lord. That's what we want to invite you to do today. And you're going, wow, he preached short today. I'm preaching short because sometimes you just got to put it into practice. You just got to put it into practice if you really acknowledge who he is. I was talking to this praise team earlier, and I told them this morning, my prayer for today is that we would rip off the chains of cultural acceptability when it came to worship. 
That was my prayer. I woke up this morning literally praying, God, help Chapel Point to rip off the chains of cultural acceptability. To acknowledge who God is. That he formed the land. He, he created the sea. He knew you in your mother's womb. And you have a need for God and to worship him. For the non-believer, you know what they need, by the way, more than anything, is not actually answers to everything. They need to see people who are genuine in their worship of God. It's the greatest need they have. Because even if they don't understand it, they'll ask the questions. Why does it do that to you? How is that possible? So I'm inviting you this morning to allow God to flood your soul. To flood your soul. And sometimes that means we get really quiet. But when it starts to fill up, I have no other release for it. There's no other, there's no valve that I can just turn off. Like there's, it's going to bust for, forth from my life. May we rip off the chains of cultural acceptability. May we acknowledge who God really is as we worship him. Will you stand with us as I pray? God, I thank you. I worship you. I praise you. You tell us so clearly in your word that we need to sing to the Lord. We need to make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. That we need to come into your presence with thanksgiving. We need to make a joyful noise with songs of praise. Why? Because you're the great God. You're the great king above all kings. That even in the midst of war and crisis, in the midst of hurt and heartache, you're still God. In the midst of joy and triumph, you are God. Whether it be in our lifetime or whether it be prior or whether it be after, it does not matter. You are still God. And so we worship you. Help us today to recognize the enormity of the God that we worship, that we serve, that we praise. Rip off our chains of cultural acceptability. And may we find freedom in you. Amen.